Hello and welcome to the Vetfolio podcast series, Your Dream Job in Vet Med. Enjoy the journey with our expert facilitator, Mr. Stith Kaiser. We'd like to thank Hills Pet Nutrition for underwriting this four-part series, which includes job search, expectations, landing the right job, ingredients of a great resume, and prepare for your interview. Stith Kaiser is the founder and manager of My Veterinary Career at AHA. His industry experience includes facilitating career development workshops and speaking at national and state veterinary conferences. For other career development resources, please visit vetfolio.com slash recent grads. Welcome to our third installment of Your Dream Job in Vet Med. Enjoy the journey. Today, we'll be building on our podcast about job search expectations and landing the right job and talking about how to leverage and present those experiences and processes in a great resume. Specifically, we'll be talking about the ingredients of a great resume. If I were to ask what's the purpose of your resume, the answer is probably going to be one of two things, either A, to get your foot in the door, or if you use networking like we talked about in our previous podcast, your resume would be validating what your references and your network said about you. If we look at a resume in that light, how we structure one and what we emphasize makes a lot more sense. Before we jump into the structure, I want to talk about the difference between a resume and a CV. I was speaking down at the University of Tennessee just last week and had a student ask me this question. A lot of times those words get used interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. When we hear the word CV, typically, we are talking about a CV being used for academia, research, lab animal medicine, and then internships. Most practice owners don't want a CV. The main reason being a CV is going to include more information and be a lot longer than a resume is going to be. I was on the phone just last week, actually, with the USDA, and they were talking about how they want their CV structured, and she was telling us that they want literally everything that's even halfway applicable to veterinary medicine that you've done on that document. And as such, you might be looking, even as a new graduate, at a four- or five-page CV. The big differences between a resume and a CV are that CVs typically include your GPA, your class rank, a detailed description of any research you've done, any presentations you've delivered, any publications you've been a part of. A resume, on the other hand, is typically just one to two pages. They used to say a resume needed to be one page. It is perfectly acceptable now to go to two pages, but I would be hesitant to go over two pages. That being said, I was looking at a resume for a friend this morning, and hers has gone over to three pages. She has done a lot of leadership experiences, though, which in that case makes sense to go over that, but typically a two-page resume is what I would shoot for. A resume is usually not going to have your GPA or class rank. In seven years of hiring for hundreds of practices, I have never had a practice owner ask me about someone's GPA or class rank. Obviously, you need to stay in school. Don't fail out. But at the end of the day, most practice owners would rather you have real-world experience and a good GPA versus a 4.0 but having spent the entire four years or three years, not including your clinics, three years of vet school with your nose in a book. As we look at formatting for resumes, I mentioned one to two pages, typically 11 to 12 font. I've seen some people try to take a three-page resume and squeeze it down to two pages by using nine or ten size font. Remember, a lot of practice owners are still baby boomers, which means they're going to be using reading glasses, and making things small and difficult to read does not help your case. Don't be too fancy either. I've seen some resumes that have wildly colored fonts. Typically, stick with black. 
if you just really want to add a little bit of color, I've seen some tasteful resumes where maybe the name and address is in professional-looking color, but otherwise stick to black. I've had people ask me, should I include a picture on your resume? From a hiring perspective, pictures scare us because of the legal implications with discrimination. What I would recommend instead is put your LinkedIn profile link on your resume. That's a great way to direct employers to your professional presence online. Most of us are going to Google you anyway, so instead of Googling you and landing on your Facebook page, if you provide us with that LinkedIn link, we can go to that site, see a professional-looking picture of you, and get some additional great information off the website. When it comes to what we want to achieve on a resume, think the acronym SAR, S-A-R. That stands for Situation, Action, and Results. Especially in vet med, people tend to focus on their job title and maybe what they did, so their job requirements, job responsibilities. The problem with that is I've seen a lot of resumes where someone says, I was a veterinary technician at this practice from these dates. If I ask you to raise your hand, if we were sitting across from each other, and I were to ask everybody, how many of you all have been a veterinary technician or even a veterinary assistant? Most people are going to raise their hands, yes. The problem is, and you all have probably seen this, is that technicians and assistants are utilized at different levels depending on where they practice. You telling me that you were a veterinary technician really doesn't tell me a lot if I don't understand the environment you were in. If you use SAR, then you can talk not only about the technical skills that you utilized, but the situation in which you utilized them, the action, and most importantly, the results. We want to hire results-oriented people. Veterinary medicine is about achieving results, whether it's achieving results for our team, for our client, for our patient, or for the practice owner. Just knowing what skills or strengths or interests you have, while that's great, if I can't see how you have translated that into results, for previous employers or volunteer experiences, I'm going to have a hard time wanting to bring you on board. Breaking it down from there, there are six key resume sections. Please don't get hung up on the exact verbiage I use. Instead, I want you to make sure you incorporate this information. I like to see a resume start with the obvious, and that is your, your name and your contact information. From there, we used to have an objective on your resume. An objective might read, seeking an associate position at a progressive practice. While that's great, I see that thing hundreds of times, I feel like, every single day, and it really doesn't tell me anything. Obviously, you want a job or you wouldn't be applying. We are moving away from objectives in veterinary medicine and focusing instead on what we call professional summary or professional profile. It can still say what you're looking for, but the main difference is it answers the question, why me? Now, a professional summary is not a cover letter. A cover letter is a page-long document. A professional summary is one to three sentences. Your job in the professional summary is not to give a lot of information on why me, but to use some keywords, whether they're keywords from the job ad, keywords from what you've learned about the practice, or just keywords about your interests. That's what a professional summary should consist of. So, for example, you might say, seeking an associate position at a mixed animal practice where I can contribute to the practice growth through my interest in herd health, equine dentistry, and fill in the blank from there. Again, you don't have to back all that up on your professional summary, but use some of those words that are going to grab the reader's attention. Then the job of your resume and then your interview is to back up what you just claimed. After your professional summary, we move into your education. Education is pretty straightforward. 
I still see resumes where high schools are listed. Don't worry about putting your high school. The only reason I might put your high school is if you grew up in that town and you're returning home, having your high school on there conveys that, hey, I'm a hometown boy or girl, and that might sway somebody to hire you. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Your GPA class rank doesn't matter for your average general practice. It absolutely does on a CV for the purposes we talked about there. Education is also an area where you can put your electives. If you're applying for a position that requires a lot of surgery and you really love surgery and you took some cool electives, some cool rotations, those could absolutely go underneath that education section. The next section would be work experience. Move away from just listing where you worked, what your job title was, and the dates. You want all those things, but think SAR again, the situation, action, results. Employers want to know what you achieved. Looking at a resume just last week, and the student did a great job of talking about her technical skills, but said nothing about interpersonal skills like communication leadership. Didn't mention the business acumen. We talked about business acumen in our last podcast. Employers know that if you graduate from vet school, you're going to have the basic technical skills we need. We're not going to hire you for that. We're going to hire you because your interpersonal skills, the communication, the leadership, the business acumen. Convey those things in your work experience. Related activities and interests are another area I look for. You might see leadership as part of this, or if you have multiple leadership experiences, I would recommend leadership as a separate heading. Leadership is a great way to show that you're willing to step up. It shows you've taken initiative. And if you're going to take the trouble to be a leader somewhere, you hopefully were able to achieve results for that organization, whether it was growing student membership, whether it was launching the business certificate program through VBMA. If you're going to be a leader, make sure you have something to show from it. If you've got multiple leadership experiences, I would go ahead and have that separate section. Otherwise, you could throw a singular leadership experience under related activities and interests. This is where you might also see personal hobbies. There are people out there who will tell you not to put that on a resume. I'm not saying they're wrong, but what I'll tell you from my perspective is I'm hiring a person. No matter how good you are, no matter how much you love my practice, if you don't like the area, you're not going to stay. Personal hobbies help me connect to you. And it also lets me know, will you find the things that make you happy in your personal life in the area that we're practicing? Because if not, you're going to leave. Awards and honors is often another section you'll see on a resume. Only include these if you've got room. What I mean by that is if you're already at two pages, leave them off. The reason I recommend that, and I would ask you to raise your hand again if we were face-to-face, but when I'm in a classroom and I ask people, and I don't usually ask, because inevitably I'd embarrass one person. But if I were to ask, have you ever received an award or an honor? Have you ever received a scholarship? Have you ever been on the dean's list? 99% of the people are going to raise their hand yes. You're in vet med. We know you're very intelligent. Having half a page of a resume, which I've seen before, listing your awards and honors doesn't mean anything. On a CV, absolutely include them. On a resume, pick one, two, or three that actually mean something, that you actually did something to deserve that award or scholarship. Give us a little information, even if it's just a line, talking about the skills, the process you had to go through. Awards and honors and scholarships like that add value, whereas a long list doesn't mean anything to us. The last thing you're going to see on a reference on a resume is your references. For your CV, you will have letters of reference. It is really important. I was up at a veterinary school a couple weeks ago talking to some of the clinicians there, and they were talking about how many requests for letters of reference they get. And it's a student that, yes, they had on rotation, but they hardly even know who she is. And she just says, hey, I'm applying for X internship. Can you write me a letter of reference? In most cases, they will do it, but even they admit they can't do it that well because they don't know the student that well, and they don't know the internship well enough to know what points to hit on. 
The point of that is if you're going to ask for a letter of reference, find someone who actually knows you and provide them some information. Provide them the link for the internship or the application if you're applying for something, whether it be a job or something else, so that they know what strengths of yours to really focus on to show that value. If you've got a resume, we usually don't ask for letters of reference, and we just ask for a list of references. Typically, we want three professional references. I don't see a lot of the personal character references anymore. It used to be pretty common. If you want to add that on your resume, that's fine, but it should not be one of your three. My other word of caution or advice is I see a lot of students, and they list all of their references as clinicians and professors. I understand that because you've just spent the last four years in veterinary school, but it's important to understand that most practice owners are not going to put the same value on a clinician's reference as they would someone who has seen you in an environment like their practice. The takeaway from that is if you want to list a clinician or a professor, that's fine. Otherwise, pick people who have seen you in the work environment you're going to be in. If you're going to be in private practice, pick somebody from volunteer experience, from an externship, from a summer job. Pick someone who has seen you utilize the skills you're pitching this practice owner. If you can encompass all of those components in a resume, you will have a strong standout resume. Thank you for listening as we discuss the ingredients of a great resume. Learn how to take the next step in our fourth and final podcast titled, Prepare for Your Interview.